Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm not sure, like, it, it always is confusing when winter lasts, like, really, it's really cold, and then now it's like springtime, and you put your coats away, and then winter's like, uh, excuse me, um, still here. Um, so, anyways, lots of people have been in and out, like, sickness has been rolling through, like, everywhere. Uh, so, we know winter is still around, so... Uh, don't put your jackets up too quickly. Make sure you have them handy. Um, today we are going to close out our Travel Light series. We have been in this series from the beginning of this year, and we've been talking about things that we need to take out of our lives so that this year can be different for us, so that we can be who God has created us to be, so that we can do what he wants us to do. And we've talked about a lot of things. Like we, The first week we spent a lot of time talking about what's been holding us back. Has it been sin or words that we've been carrying um, our past? We talked a week about bitterness and control and fear. And then in the middle of that, like, we sprinkled in Vision Sunday and, and God laid the word freedom in front of us. And it only reinforced all that we had been talking about. And um, I, I don't go anywhere now without my chain link. And so I hope that you have your broken chain link to remind you of the freedom that Jesus wants to give you. And the freedom that he wants you to share with those around you. Um, and if you don't have a one, we have those at the connect table. You can grab one so that you can be reminded of that. And as I was thinking about how to close out this series, like what could we talk about to, to kind of put a, a cap at the very end of this? And I started thinking about what I've seen in youth over the last few weeks. And, and there's a lot that we could talk about in, in what's happening in, in the youth and in the services. The, um, if you ever want to be terrified, just some of you are like, yeah, I'd like to be scared. Um, just let me know, and on a Wednesday night, we'll go down into the basement uh, during worship. Um, and if you've, ever, if you've never been a part of an earthquake, that will be your taste of what maybe an earthquake would feel like being in the basement when you think like, oh my gosh, those kids are going to come through the ceiling of the basement. Um, but it's, it's exciting watching them be excited about God. And their passion for him, the, the conversations that they're having in small groups and with their leaders. And, um, man, I, I love all of that. But that's not what I've noticed over the last couple of weeks. Um, they've been playing basketball after service. And the puzzling thing about that, you see, no one responded because we don't have youth in the gym. We have youth in the chapel. So they've been playing basketball in the chapel with no court, no lines, sometimes it seems like no rules, um, but they've been playing. And, and so the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? Um, there's going to be a hole in the wall. Like, I know there's going to be a hole in the wall. And then it went from that to, like, watching them have fun each week. And then there was two Wednesday nights ago where I was sitting in the back and, and uh, I was standing next to Chris and we were talking and I'm watching and like low-key I was hoping that someone would ask me to play. And so <laughs> like the kids looked like they were having so much fun. Like the competitiveness begins to come out. Like 
the, the longer they play, like, we talked about people getting hurt, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope they don't hurt someone tonight. Like, it was just so much fun. And so, like, they're watching, and I'm just kind of drawn in, and so I'm just kind of in the back, like. I see more kids coming, like, I don't think they were counting who was on the teams, and so I figured, like, if it's eight on eight, like, it doesn't matter. I want to play. No one asked me to play. I was a little sad about that. And as I watched them play, the, the funny thing was like, man, they didn't care that they didn't have everything that they needed to play basketball. They just used what they had. And then that was it. So I began to think about all of the times that, that God has done things. And then some of the time that, that God is orchestrating things in front of us that are going to be set up as opportunities for us to take advantage of. And sometimes when we get to those opportunities, we spend more time thinking about what we don't have instead of just using what we have. And that's how we're going to close out today. I, I want to remind you that, that when you get to those spots... And it doesn't seem like you have it all together. Just use what we have. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so very much for your presence that is in this place. God, I ask that as we look into your word with your people that you would speak to each of us. That, Lord, we would hear your voice speaking to us right where we are. Talking about the things that we've been struggling with or facing this week. Lord, I'm so grateful for your anointing, and I ask that you would anoint me once again as I communicate your word to your people. I'd help me do it clearly and confidently in a way that they hear you much more than they hear me. God, we are so grateful for who you are, that you would capitalize on the moments that we're together like this just for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to take a look at, like, how, how do we use what we have? And, and so I want to walk you through a story, um, and we can see how the disciples did it after Jesus left them. Like, it's one thing to do it when Jesus is present, because, like, I'm not worried. Jesus is in the building, right? But after he had risen from the dead, he, he talked to his disciples. He gave them the, the huge, great commission, right? Go into all the world, do all these great things, and then he leaves, and then we'll pick up in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. Turn there with me. We're going to start in verse 1. And let's see what they did after Jesus left. So Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. And we're, we're going to stop right there because sometimes it's like, all right, this is the introduction to the story. I just want to get to the story. But I want you to pay attention here because they're doing something that they had always done. They had always gathered from little kids up until right now. Like they're finding time to go to the temple this time specifically to pray. And I want to remind you that these moments are better when we go together. We find Peter and John going together. This is something that I believe that they learned from Jesus. Go back and read through the Gospels. How many people did he call together? He called 12 disciples to be with him, to go with him, to travel with him. So they got to do all of these things with Jesus. They went to the temple together. They witnessed miracles together. And when Jesus sent them out on their own little journeys, he sent them with other people. He sent two of them out. He didn't send people alone. He sent them out together. And this is a pattern that we continue to see all throughout the book of Acts. 
because width was always God's plan. You'll hear me say that over and over. The longer you're here at New Vision, you will hear me say with was always the plan. We were made and meant for community. That's just how we're wired. And my opinion is that the best way to follow Jesus is with other people. We do it together. And so I got some questions for you. Are you content to just walking out your life with Jesus alone? Because if you are, that's going to be okay. But what if it could be great? What if it could be better than what it is right now? What if the things that you're doing on an everyday basis that have become kind of routine and obligations, what if they become something life-giving because you do it with other people? Here we see Peter and John going to the temple together to pray together, something that they would have done that could have easily felt like obligation. And I believe that it doesn't reach that status so quickly when you do it together. Life with Jesus, the journey with Jesus is better together. So who are you walking with? Are you walking with people that lead you towards encounters with Jesus? Or are you walking with people that have no desire to get closer to Jesus? And if you're struggling with people, man, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know about my people. I'm going to help you today find some people outside. You should have saw it in the lobby when you walked in. There is a big display that says groups at the top of it. You can find your people. There are groups on that wall. Spend some time today. Go through. Look at those lists. Find something that fits you, that fits your schedule. We got all kinds of different groups. Find your people. And then do this. I talked about this last year, but this will be something that we talk about. Don't just sign up. Show up. We, we, can't, we can't walk together if you don't show up. Well, I just think it should feel like no relationship in your world works like that. We're going to be best friends. That's just how it's going to be. I'm not going to invest in any of that. But it should feel like we're best friends. No, like we come to church and we think that, that that's how it should be. Well, no, I still need to invest in the relationships. Let's show up. Let's be a part of the communities that's here. So jump in to small groups. Please don't go alone. Go with others. That's just the beginning of the story. Here we go. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently. Now, do you picture this in your mind right now? What's that look like? Is it a loving look? Is it? Is Because when I read that, I'm like, Look at me. Like, that's what he says. <laughs> he doesn't even just lock in and make eye contact. He makes sure. Here. If Nina was there, she would tell him, look at my face. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Now, again, man, they're, they're just going about their day, right? They're going into the temple, going to go pray. And then they encounter someone else who was just having a regular day as well. Here's the lame man. He was just going about his day. We learn from, from the original language, the Greek tells us that 
every day. This was just part of his life, that this was repeated day in, day out, that he was brought to the temple there to ask people as they were going in and out of the temple area, spare some change? Do you have anything for me? And this was strategic. He, he sat up there because uh, good Jewish people th- that were following the Torah, they would be inclined to give. So he sat up right where the people who should be giving would give. This is where he was. Every day someone carried him there. They placed him at the gate. Now, now think about it because they walked through the gate because they were going to pray. He was brought there so that he could survive. So that he could ask for something. So that he could, he could give, be given something. He, he didn't have hope for life being much more than anything but this. Because this is what he did every day. Right now it tells us that he was like this from birth. In chapter 4 it tells us that he was over 40 years old. This was all he knew. Life wasn't going to get exciting for him. There were no adventures that he was going to go on. This was it. He was just showing up, expecting some change. Peter and John went to the temple, walked through the gate, expecting to pray. God had something else in mind. See, and and here's what I love about this story. Nothing about what we've read right now is extraordinary. It's all ordinary. They were going to the temple. They were going to pray. Here's this guy. He was doing what he was doing. And I think that that's the point. I think that ordinary steps can lead to extraordinary stories if we get open. So did you know that there were nine gates that led into the temple area? And there wasn't just this guy there begging. This is where beggars would have been scattered throughout all this area because these were the people that were more likely to give to them. And it just so happens that God chose to use this gate at this day for this man and these guys. All of it was ordinary except for the opportunity that was being laid out in front of them. God used that gate. There wasn't anything special about that gate. There wasn't a certain anointing on that gate. There wasn't like, if you go through here, God shall. No, it wasn't anything like that. That's just where they were. And because they had their eyes and their hearts open, they got to be a part of something incredible. And I I love this part where they find the time for one person. This shows me that they learned more than what we think from Jesus. Think about how many times we read in Scripture where Jesus did lots of things for people and then met the need of one person. If you go back a chapter in chapter 2, Peter preaches to thousands of people that give their lives to Jesus. And in chapter 3, him and John have an encounter with one person. They slow down enough to stop and see him. They could have just simply walked by. They went about their day with their eyes and their hearts open. Do we? Do we move slow enough so that when God lays up, an opportunity in front of us that we notice it? Or have we heard it so much? Have we heard this lame man so many times asking for what he's asking for that we just go by? Because where I'm going is much more important than who I'm meeting along the way. 
I want you to think about your pace right now. Because when I look in Scripture and I, and I see how, how Jesus moved from place to place, his pace was walking. When Lazarus was sick and they sent notes to Jesus, this was his pace. When he went from town to town, person, this was his pace. I think we would be wise to pay attention because his pace made space. It made space for these moments and these opportunities and these people. It made space for the miraculous because not every miracle was planned. Lots of Jesus' miracles happened in the interruption from one place to the next. The thing is, he didn't consider it an interruption. It was an opportunity because every interruption was a person. So I wonder if, if we need to slow down and stop running through our day and see who God has placed around us. Maybe God would use our route home. Some of us now that you know, we're traveling more back and forth to work, maybe God would use that same route that you take for an opportunity like this. Or maybe um, your, your path to the break room. Some of you that, that you're traveling from your cubicle to the break room, you go the same route. Maybe he would use someone along the route. Maybe he set that up for you. Or when you go to the gym, you know that special treadmill that's yours? You know the one. Because when you come in, if somebody's on it, you're looking at them like, you got three minutes till I change. Better hurry up. Could God use your treadmill so that the person who's next to you might just be who he wants you to talk to? Or does your noise-canceling headphones cancel out the opportunities that God is trying to set up? I'm, now, now, I, I, now this, isn't, this isn't an indictment. I, I'm just saying we, we have to get open because I love my noise-canceling headphones because I don't want to hear what they're talking about. But what if God placed me right there for that moment. I just don't want to miss it. See, because we pray about, like, God, I want you to use me. Oh, God, could you please set up someone somewhere that needs to hear about you? Man, I'm in on it. But you know what? On my calendar, I'm pretty open between 3.30 and 4. And, and I don't have it. See, we talk to God about wanting to be used, and then we dictate to him how we think that should be used. How can we, when can we, what it looks like. I, I just want to encourage you that you will maybe pray to be used and see the opportunity that God has already set up. Peter said this in verse 6. I don't have silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. And just a quick side note. Like this, this isn't part of the, the thoughts, but this is just a thought. Side note, man, when you're in need, when you're sitting there and you're in need and you're hoping for something to change, change, don't just settle for what you want. Look for God to give you what you need. Here's why. If, that, if God would have given the lame man what he wanted and asked for, he would still be sitting at the gate. So let's get back on track. 
This man asked for money. Hey, can, can you give me something? He wanted something that Peter and John couldn't give them. They either didn't have it or they didn't have enough that they felt like would make a difference. And I wonder if in this moment, like, this is when we read things and I'm like, man, how long was this? Like, was the stare down like a couple of minutes? Who's going to blink first? Like, I don't know. Like, was that time for, for Peter and John to begin to think about some things? Because in this moment when he asked for something and Peter's like, man, I don't, I don't have that. I wonder at all. Like, my mind went all the way back to the feeding of the 5,000. There's people around and they're hungry. Jesus has been teaching them. And, and the disciples are like, what do we do with them? And he was like, you feed them. Whoa, uh, no, we don't, we don't have enough. There's not enough. We can't go to this town and find enough. Like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Jesus is like, well, what do we got? Oh, we got five loaves and two fish? Bring it this way. Let me use what we have and watch what I can do with it. I, I wonder, like, as that boy was willing to give all that he had, even though it wasn't going to make a dent in the thousands of people that needed to be fed, he still gave it, which reminds me that small sacrifices can lead to miracles. And Peter and John's example here, right here, is what we need to have in our heart. We need to just give what we got. Peter's like, man, I got nothing in my pocket, but let me tell you about somebody I know. Let me give you a little bit of what I've seen from Jesus. Let me tell you about this. And we struggle because we think sometimes that what we have to offer isn't enough. The need that someone may bring to me, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could. I, I, don't, I don't have enough to make a dent in that. I, I, don't, I don't know. And so sometimes we reserve ourselves to, well, man, that, that's I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're going through that. Instead of saying, man, I, like, I don't know that I can meet that, but let me tell you. L let me tell you what God has done. Let me give you what God has done. What they are asking for, we may not be able to do, but what if on the other side of that, God is waiting for us to just take a step of faith and offer them what we do have and offer them something that God has done in us already that we have seen. I mean, this could be the moment where we finally realize that our excuses to not step out in faith and respond to God are just excuses. This might be the opportunity where we realize obedience is what I'm supposed to do and the outcome is on God. I'm just supposed to do what he asked me to do. This could be the moment where we believe that who we have is more valuable than what we don't have. And there's no limits to what our God can do. So let's give people what we have. Because at the end of the day, what do they need most? Jesus. It's what we needed most. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we, we think it's other things. And, and hear me, I'm not saying that, that when we see someone that has a need, that we completely discard their physical need and say, well, you just need Jesus. Let me give you some prayer. Oh, man, that's, that's not who Jesus was. Jesus oftentimes met the physical need before he met the spiritual need. What I want you to do is get open. Keep your heart open to what God would have you to say in that moment. What would he have you to do? Would he have you say, man, I don't have, I just got $3. He, here you go. And while I'm handing this to you, man, let me pray with you. Because I believe that God wants to do something in you that maybe you've lost hope on. But I'm going to extend my hand and offer you what I have, the hope that I found in Jesus. What if we just give people what we have? Because the truth of the matter was alms weren't going to fix what was really wrong with this man. 
He could have got people to give to him all day long and he was still going to be back there the next day. Still going to be back there the next day. But Jesus, Jesus could change it all. He could heal him physically and spiritually. And so we may not have everything, but we have a God that can work miracles. And when we invite him in, things change. Watch this here, verse 6 again. Peter's like, look, I don't have any silver or gold. I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now, notice that Luke is writing this from the doctor's perspective. He wants you to know exactly what was wrong so you know exactly what Jesus did in this moment. Like just these extra details, like I don't need to know that, but it's cool to know that. So he instantly heals the man's ankles and his feet. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Now, see, we get excited, but we forget about the tension of verse 6 leading into verse 7. You looked at me. You told me to look at you dead in the face. What you got? Get up walk look if I'm the lame man sitting there I'm gonna explain to Peter who I am bro the way my legs work they don't so I don't know what you're asking me to do I can't do what you're asking in fact not even I can't I've never done what you're asking I don't even know the first thing how do you stand up and walk if your whole life you've never been able to? But the command that Peter gave him wasn't just so that the man would stand up on his own. They, they didn't fold their arms and say, come on, go ahead, get up, come on. They didn't do that. They didn't watch him struggle they helped him to do what he had never done before. And you and I have to do the same thing. We have to give them a hand. We have to reach out and help them. And Peter had seen Jesus do that a couple different times. After he healed his mother-in-law, he reaches out her hand and helps her back up. After he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, he reaches out. He grabs her hand. He helps her back up. Man, Peter, I think, saw this move as a move of love. And he wanted to jump in and help. Peter not only said, get up and walk, but he extended his hand to help the man extend his faith and believe that he could do exactly what he was being told he could do. So people may need us to show that we believe what we just said about them and to them. We, we may not just be able to hand out, oh, I'll pray for you about that. We may not be able to do that any longer. We may not be able to just tell them like it is and what they should do. We may actually need to give them a hand to do what we just said. Well, I'm pretty sure you need to, okay, but I don't know how to do that. I've never done that. How? Help. Figure it out on your own. No, that's not what we see. We see him reach down and grab this man. Did you notice that the man didn't receive the healing until he grabbed a hold of Peter's hand? He began to believe, I think, because Peter said, I, I didn't just say it. I believe it could happen. Come on, man, let's go. Why are you still here? 
Come on, let me help you to your feet. Life can be different. Peter's willingness may have just been what he needed to give him hope that it could happen. So we need to pray with people, and then we need to help them up. We need to show up for them when they need us to be present. We need to maybe help them make a resume if they don't know how. We need to walk them through what to expect at a job interview so we can help them change their situation. Maybe we need to tell them who they are so they'll believe who God says that they are. We need to jump in and not just pray, but lend them a hand too. We have to be willing to extend it. We have to be willing to to ask God, what does it look like for me to pray and then give them a hand to help them? But if we're willing to do that, if I'm willing to be open to what God may be doing, if I'm willing to give them a hand, look at what can happen. Verse 8, everything changed. He went from lame to leaping. Like this guy was, he was carried in by others, but he was going to run out of that place. You weren't going to catch him walking anywhere. You were going to catch him running. Look at, look at the words in verse 8. Every part of that verse is emphatic. He was walking, leaping, praising God. He ran with them. He went into the temple praising all of this stuff. There was nothing small. And this is what freedom can do when Jesus shows up. It works like that for others. And I'm going to remind you, it worked that way for you. Some of you just maybe forgot the moment where your feet were strengthened. When you grabbed Jesus' hand and he pulled you from a place you never thought you could get out of. And I, I look at this story and I'm just so excited as what's happening. Did you notice where he was at the beginning of the story and where he ended? See, at the beginning of the story, he was outside the gates to go into the temple area because he wasn't allowed in the temple area. The fact that he was lame meant that he was disqualified from being in the presence of God. Oh, but where did he follow them into after he was healed? Where did he go right after he was healed? He went from being on the outside to being welcomed in on the inside. He was able to run into the temple with Peter and John, reminding us that this is what Jesus does. He takes people that were on the outside that had no hope and no chance of ever getting in on themselves, and he brings them in. It's just what he does. And then I'm like, man. These guys had it all together, man. Peter and John, look how great they are. But then I'm reminded, they were on the outside too. They just grabbed a hold of Jesus' hand. They were fishermen that had no idea how to live for Jesus, that now we're seeing them become fishers of men. They had grabbed a hold and found what Jesus could do. I mean, come on, man. They went from not knowing anything to working miracles in Jesus' name. What an incredible moment. So... As I'm reading this, the last thing that I'm going to tell you today is get ready. What about your day, your week, your month? Could God be orchestrating for an outcome like this? People were so amazed at what had happened. They started flooding around. They had seen this guy. Some of them had probably given to him. And as they saw him leaping and jumping they wanted to know something happened. What, what happened here? How, how is this possible? So Peter began to share with them. And see what God did in that one person 
was used to reach others. Peter began to share about who Jesus was and what he could do, the power that was in his name. Notice that's exactly what he said when he told him to get up. when they look and they say, Michael, man, you're not the same. Some things have changed and man, I'm just kind of like, what's going on? Do we just shrug that off and say, well, you know, God is good? Or do we get ready for the opportunity that God has laid out in front of us? See, the lame man was one opportunity. The next one was right after. What God did right in that moment brought amazement and awe questions didn't bring faith but faith came as a result because someone took advantage of the opportunity given peter was ready he didn't say um stay right here i'll be back he gave him what he had here's who i've been following here's who jesus is this is the miraculous power that jesus has look at this guy imagine what he could do for you if he could do this imagine what he could do and you're like, man, if you only knew, you would not be asking me. But maybe that's the opportunity God's been setting up for the last month. Are you ready for that opportunity? Or are you ready to share what God has done for you? When people are looking for hope, looking for answers, looking for wisdom, get ready to give it to them. It doesn't matter if you've got it all figured out. Give them what you've got. What has Jesus done for you? How has your life changed? You don't have to know how theology works and how to explain the end times. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Just tell him who he is and what he's done. Give what you have. Can you begin to realize that your life, my life, our lives are the undeniable work of God? So show people what God's done. Some of you, healed like the lame man, but you've just been walking like this. You haven't leaped in a while. You haven't jumped. You haven't ran around. People don't even know that you used to sit by the gate and beg. I wonder if God would, would want what he's done in you to be visual and vocal. on it today for tomorrow? Could he have been working on your co-worker last week so that Tuesday is the day that they ask you questions? Could it be today where you go to the same restaurant that you go to every Sunday after church with the same waitress, with the same server? God has set that up because something has happened in their week and they need the Jesus that you I'm never ready. I'll never experience what God wants to do in these moments. We've talked a lot about Peter and John. How, how do we do that? How do we give what we got? But what if you came in today and you feel more like the lame man than you do them? You feel like your life has just been surviving. 
hope doesn't seem to be something you have a lot of. You've just been kind of doing the same thing. I'm in this rut of hopelessness. And that's okay too. Because today could be the day that God has orchestrated just for you. That today you can realize that he's walking by you with his hand extended saying you don't have to be there anymore. You don't have to live in your pain. You don't have to live in your shame. You don't have to live in your sin. Those addictions don't have to ruin your life any longer. You can grab my hand and you can have strength that you never had before. Maybe he set that up. Maybe today you came in and you just feel broken from sin. Like you want to be better, you want to change, but you can't seem to, to do that all on your own. You feel stuck outside somewhere of God's vision, God's reach. But it's not the truth. See, the truth is that God saw you, sees you, loves you. Loves you so much that he sent Jesus just for you. That if you were the only one to have ever sinned, Jesus still would have came and paid the price for sin. He loved you that much. He wanted the potential of having a relationship with you that much. So today, if you feel like you've been stuck because of your past, because of sin, you don't have to. Jesus can wipe it away in one instance. He paid the price for your sin. He died on the cross for you and for me. lifelessness that we experience now doesn't have to be the life that we live because Jesus can bring us new life. So I wonder if you're here today and you would say, PK, that's, that's me. I feel stuck by sin. I feel trapped by sin. I, I want to be free from that this morning. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. That's why I didn't have anybody close their eyes. Everybody's looking around. That's all right, too. Is there anybody say today, that's me, PK, you're talking right now to me.
never been free of this ever. You can't imagine what life would be free without this. But today can still be that day. We're here to pray with you, to, to help you, to encourage you, to believe that it could be different today. You could not just walk out of here, you could be leaping, running, and praising God because it's all different. So as the worship team sings, Maybe you need to, to ask God to help your eyes and heart to be open this week. That God has laid that on your heart. You've been too wrapped up in you and not seeing other people. Maybe that's what you need to respond to. Come and spend some time with Jesus this morning. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.